Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Back for another exciting edition of Six Rings and Football Things. We are heading into week five in the National Football League. I'm Andy Hart, joined by Chris Shimetime Shime and Nick Fitzy Stevens to talk about the Patriots' moral victory in Green Bay, which unfortunately was also a loss that dropped them not only to one and three in the one and three on the year, but also last place in the division behind. Fitzy's favorite draft weekend team, the New York football Jets and Zach Wilson. Guys, we've had a couple days to uh, let things kind of percolate. And I know one of the things, as I mentioned, that's, uh, I guess, controversial at this point with the Patriots, two years into moral victory Mondays, which may now become moral victory weeks. Do we take what happened in Green Bay with Bailey Zappi coming in in the first quarter for Brian Hoyer and then taking Aaron Rodgers to overtime and everything that went into it. Jack Jones picked six exciting plays on both sides of the ball. Do we take that as a moral victory, a step forward or and I'll start with Chris here as I lead him into this. Is this just a football team that's not very good and we're trying to make uh, mountains out of positive molehills? So I think there were positives to take away from this game. I am not a fan of moral victory Mondays. It's not how I roll. Uh, A loss is a loss. A win is a win. It's very simple. It's black and white. Keep it that way. Uh, But I do think there are some positives to take away from this game. I I think especially on offense, I give – and this hurts me to do this because I've called this man a boob many, many times. I think Matt Patricia deserves a little bit of credit. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. It was a relatively – it was a pretty good game plan. It's – Okay, the run game's working. I'm not going to outsmart myself. I'm not going to try and, you know, do something crazy. I'm just going to run the football, especially with a first-year quarterback from the fourth round of the draft who had never taken an NFL snap yet. So, uh, overall, I think he deserves a little bit of credit for that. And and I think the run game was awesome. Harrison Stevenson looked great. That offensive line, when it comes to running the football, they're great. Pass protection, not so much. But running the football, Marcus Cannon still got it, man. That kid, that guy can... That guy can motor and run block. And, and I think that offensive line looked good in that form. Um, and I think, you know, there's a couple, there's there's fewer positives, I think, to take away from the defense. But overall, I, I don't, I'm not into moral victories, but I do think there's positives. 
So 15, I think when we you talked yeah. about it post game that Bill Belichick in the past has pointed to losses and then later said, I learned something about my team that day on that field. And certainly Lambeau field. And we mentioned Bailey Zappi did something nobody in the history of that stadium has ever done, made his NFL debut and threw a touchdown pass. So that's a unique environment. Played quarterback with the last name Zappi. That's probably <laughs> also name accurate. Bailey. <laughs> and a first name. I swear to God, I I love every Andy. I love everything about this kid. And I think you know, I'm actually I'm actually at a point where I think we almost need to walk back Bailey Zappy love and Bailey Zappy praise and Bailey Zappy fever. Only just because while oh, wow. it is ma- while it's massively impressive that he did go ten for fifteen ninety nine yards. He did play like a rookie fourth rounder. He did miss a lot. Wait, of did you say it was massively impressive that he threw for 99 yards and three plus quarters of action? Because it wasn't actually. No, no, it was massively impressive that he was able to do that, given that the kid never took a snap under center at Western Kentucky at a division two school that he was able to play under the pressure of being thrust into action uh, as part of the New England Patriots, David, to the Aaron Rodgers Goliath on Sunday. They were 10 point underdogs, but like going crazy about Bailey Zappi right now saying like new second coming Bailey Zappy fever, all the memes you've seen now, like the boyfriend's looking over the shoulder of the girl. The girl is Mac Jones. Bailey Zappy is the hot girl walking away down the alley. Like everyone's got Bailey Zappy fever. Let's cool. just sort of like pump the brakes on it a tiny bit. And just remind ourselves that like, they're going to probably keep for however many starts Bailey Zappy ends up having to make while Hoyer's in the protocol. And hopefully not starting anytime soon. I don't think anyone wants to see Hoyer make another start this season. And Mac Jones is healing up that he's going to continue to play in game manager mode. Let's see him learn the pro offense. Let's see him grow a little bit into the Pat system. And here's my biggest hope that the Patriots offense, the thing that we complained about primarily right after the game on the six rings post game show that I've heard made it be made a big deal for the last couple of days is that they didn't throw a pass on second and five from the Green Bay 46 in overtime, that they didn't go for it, that they played it so conservatively. So Andy, Shime, my big thing is, yes, I feel good about this. It is moral victory Monday. Now it's, well, shit, it was still a loss Tuesday, but I think we feel good about ourselves going forward. Tomorrow's going to be who the hell is playing quarterback Sunday on Wednesday. And all week long, we're going to try to divine little positives. This team is going to rally around what just happened. There's going to be good moral victories, and I think they're going to buy in on this together as a team i think this is the beginning of a little bit of a run and i'm here for it yeah you, you said pump the brakes and then uh, apparently your brakes went out and you started rolling downhill i'm not really no, pump willing. the brakes on bailey zappy fever not the yeah, team well, i think the team is if gonna you're gonna start going. a run it's gonna start with bailey zappy because i'll be surprised if we see anybody else other than bailey zappy at quarterback on sunday against the lions at gillette stadium my biggest takeaway would be the same takeaway i've had for a couple weeks now the patriots offense should start with two people. It's not a quarterback. It's not a receiver. It's not a tight end. It's Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris. They are your offense. You need to ride those horses for as long as they can stay healthy. And by the way, if you can pull off what you've been pulling off, I think they have 53 and 46 carries or something each through four games. If you can continue to do that and have both of them basically be 200 carry running backs, that's the perfect offense because you don't get up in that weird Derek Henry, you know, are we going to give this guy 400? Marco Murray, 300 plus. Yeah. Don't take years off their lives. Yeah. 
I don't know. take years off their lives. And they're both very capable of doing the job. And then as you mix in with what Shime said, I think this offensive line absolutely wants to block. For the first time all year, I saw yep. Trent Brown motivated and invested he, like, in he, the like, game. He waved and was like, yeah, keep running it my and way, big dog. over a pile after a run. Right. Like, that, Trent that was Brown the tweet. is not yeah. motivated, and suddenly he's motivated. Feed the ball to the backs and say, see the massive human being over there? Run behind him, because for however long he's into this, we need to ride that man as well. Bingo. So what lit the pilot light on the Trent Brown stove, if you will? Like, what got him re-engaged? Why did he decide to get back into it? I don't – I'm just Scar curious. But I'm excited I'm – ex- yeah, right, exactly. Scar penned him a love letter that he'll probably read on the Players' Journal or something this week. No, man, that left side of the line was dominating the other day. I love – I can't believe, as someone who loves fantasy football offense, aerial shows, and thinks Don Coriel deserves a wing unto himself in the Pro Football Hall of Fame – they get that jumbo package going. I get fired up. That's like, I, I love like that is the definition of smash mouth football. Marcus cannon. Hello to your new position at right tackle. Isaiah Wynn, say hello to your new position of coming in as a sixth or a seventh offensive lineman for a couple of smash and dash plays every other game. Yeah. I've, and Andy, can we also get Kendrick Bourne a little more involved? Can I say that for the 19th time this season? Do you can want to know a weird thing too? get like, him involved in his limited snaps? He's uh, in the top 10 of PFF graded receivers this season. And that's like, he has the same grade as Mike Evans. I think that was prior to last night's game. So Evans probably went up a little bit uh, having eight catches for over hundred yards and two touchdowns. But regardless in his limited snaps, like even PFFs grading him out. Well, and you can take that for what it will. Not everybody loves PFF. I get it. But like you, even when it comes to eye test, when he's on the field and he touches the football, yes, something happens. It's good. And guess who was guess who was popping open on the third and five play from the Green Bay 46 in overtime until the defender grabbed his jersey and the world's shittiest refereeing crew missed the call. Kendrick Bourne. That's why he was flipping out. Like, like remember, so Bailey throws it and Hunter Henry is not open any longer. And then Andy, it was almost a pick, right? And we talked about how, like, oh, maybe yeah. that's why they didn't throw in second five because the kid got, you know, got zappy feet and got a little flustered there. Kendrick Bourne was coming open wide right and the defender grabbed his jersey and literally tore a piece of his jersey off and Bourne flipped out. And I wondered afterwards, like a lot of people did, like, was he really mad that he didn't get thrown to? Did something went wrong? Turns out it was defensive holding. It was clear as day. He gets open. The guy can make plays. And if you're going to lean, and the, the greater point is if you're going to lean on the ground game going forward, why not get him involved a little bit more as well? Because of the fact he is a playmaker. He well, didn't I... get a jet sweep. Was it in the Packers game or the week before? And he gets 11 yard carry. Like the guy he, just, his ability to play has never does been a great question. job. His ability to play has never been in question. I mean, we saw it last year. He's a playmaker. He makes plays when he's given opportunities. Now, is there diminishing returns? I'd actually like to find out. I don't think he's ever been given the opportunity to say, you know what? Maybe 10 targets is too many for Kendrick Bourne. Like, maybe we need to pump the brakes on Bourne. We've never reached that point because last year he was essentially a four to five target guy per game. And this year we know that he's been in the doghouse and all of thing, those things that go with that. But um, he is part of this. And Fitzy's right. If you're going to run the ball, then when you do throw it a little bit less, you want return on investment. You want some playmaking. And I do think he's their best playmaker, but we do need to get into 
um, the ongoing, as we're going to talk about guys that need the ball and the inefficiencies in the passing game. And I know the zappy transition here may alter things, but the fact that Hunter Henry continues to be irrelevant to this offense. And I know Bill Belichick defends these things and goes, oh, each week we can talk about the guy who didn't get the targets and who didn't catch the ball. Well, Bill, it's a month in. We're a full month into the season, and you're – forget about Jonu Smith. I think we've all kind of given up on that idea, although I believe Jonu Smith actually has more yards receiving at this point than Hunter Henry does. Yes, he does. But, mm -hmm. I mean, for an offense that may be trending toward run the ball – play action, make a few plays, really going to need to maximize our opportunities in the red zone. Hunter Henry's disappearance for $12.5 million a year is um, curious at best and negligence at worst. TJ Hawkinson say, I, had, I, I landed I landed in the middle. It's it's startling. Yeah. Oh, TJ Hawkinson who had, had 200 two separate, yards receiving. Two separate catches, just individual catches that were more yards than Hunter Henry has all season. In one game, he had two separate catches that were more yards than Hunter Henry's had all season. It's okay, every, everybody, take a guess. Everyone, let's let's just all let's just do a little whip around. Why is Hunter Henry not involved? Um, well, is first of all, they're like, time because they haven't been doing a lot of two tight ends. So when John has been healthy, they were kind of going back and forth, which was cutting into it. It's not as many two tight end sets. That's why they have little Jordan on the field so much because he's a receiver, but he also blocks like a tight end. So it's like, ah, we disguise it more as a possible pass play, but you can still run the football effectively. Right. Bill has talked about that. Are we in 11 personnel? Or are we in 12 personnel? I'll let you decide. We just have him on the field and we can do what we want out of it. Um, I don't I think some of it is is scheme. I think some of it is maybe, you know, teams looking at him a little more. I would. I would definitely focus on him, but I don't have a good answer for it. I don't think he's been targeted enough. I don't think he's productive enough. And you certainly I think we had accepted we'd cut the losses on Jonu Smith, but now we can't accept that both tight ends for twelve and a half million dollars don't do anything, don't add anything to the offense. That We're going on a whole ridiculous. century of the tight end being an absolute hole. I mean, they cut two third-round picks they made in 2020. Hunter Henry, yeah, he had a nice-ish season last year with the uh, the 50 catches and the nine touchdowns. Jonu Smith was an absolute sieve, and now they've done nothing this year, Andy. Like, this decade, the tight end position has been a hit for the Patriots and one of those third round picks you cut oh by the way then played a game for the Cincinnati effing Bengals like three weeks later where's Ryan Izzo no we don't need him I don't care where Ryan Izzo is he can go away okay so big picture before we uh, transition into uh, a little bit second segment talk here of Bailey Zappi and, and the nature of the quarterback position this week do we take net positive from Green Bay is it something they can build upon? Fitzy, you said earlier you think they might be ready for a run. The Detroit Lions might be better than we originally thought as we open up this soft spot in the schedule. Do you truly believe the one and three Patriots that if I looked across the NFL, I believe in power rankings, most have them somewhere between like 24th and 27th in the National Football League. We do this. We did this last year. Are they better than their one and three record? I think it was Aaron Rodgers who said Sunday night, that's not a one and three team. He's and full of crap. I... And he had just made out with bill and stuck his tongue in his ear for like five minutes. Yep. See, it's just, I can't say anything without everyone just wanting to jump down my throat. You try to offer just a little bit, uh, an iota of positivity in Pat's nation. No, bring it. Bring it. You got it. They're better than one. I do. Two. 
They're better I do. Than one I, and, and again, I think, and I'm not going to play the whole like this year and that year, whenever they were one and three last year, and then 2001 and all those other moral no, victory cards that began rallies. I do buy into the idea that the New England Patriots will play the whole like, take a look at yourself, look in the mirror. Who do you see? What looks back at you? A team that is a lot better Miles than the record Bryant. indicates. No, my, you're not going to be seeing much more of Miles Bryant. If Jalen Mills can make it back on the field, Miles Bryant will revert to special teamer. You'll probably see more of Marcus Jones out there. Uh, maybe you can kick some of the guys to the inside back where they belong at slot and inside corner. This team was resilient enough, I think, in the face of adversity, everyone criticizing them all year, being a 10-point dog on the road. They coached the hell out of that game. The coaching is going to have to remain a significant factor. I mean, yeah, sure, it always is, but they're going to have to coach their asses off the rest of the way, especially with Bailey Zappi there. I think this team responds to the fact that they went toe-to-toe with Green Bay and played 70 meaningful minutes with them, and they win a couple of games and kind of get back up to, if not near the 500 line, and then we'll feel a lot better about them because, and I know this is segment two talk, we got some keepers from this year's draft, and I'm starting to see some ball players on the Patriots team. Shine. Uh, no, they're not better than their record indicated. I hate to crap all over Fitzy's positivity parade here, but no, you don't. let's, let's stop it. Stop. They're not better than no. their record shows. No. They're I'm not, not they're not even the best one in three team out there. And I'm curious to see how next week goes because you're playing the most high powered offense in football and also the absolute worst defense in football at the exact same time. So it, next week is going to be interesting because I, you look at the Green Bay game to me. Did they do a pretty good job of mucking things up? Yeah, I think Belichick did a really good job of mucking things up, making it a slow-paced game. You ran the football very well against a Green Bay defense that cannot stop the run in any way, shape, or form. Then again, neither could you. Aaron Jones probably could have had 200 yards in that game. They didn't give him the ball enough. And Aaron Rodgers looked like dog shit for three quarters of that game. Like he did okay. not look good. And that but was did not he because... look bad because of yeah, the, no. the way the Patriots defended him. Let no. me finish. He missed he... about 10 throws down the field that had nothing to do with anyone other than Constant his right arm. misses. He made on, I can count on one hand the amount of good throws Aaron Rodgers made in that game. Were they exceptional throws? Yeah, but he made twice as many crap bag throws. Like he, like he was freaking... I, Gino or the the 2007 version of Geno Smith because nowadays Geno Smith might be one of the best quarterbacks in football. All of a sudden, completing 77 percent of his passes. But I digress. This Patriots team is not better than their record indicates. They are where they are. They are who we think they are. Like they are right here. They're going to compete in a lot of games. They're not going to get blown out. That's exactly what we've said about them all year. But they're not going to win many of those games either. Yeah, my simple takeaway is in a month into the season, and Bill tells us, you know, this is about the time when you start to realize what kind of team you are, figure out who you are. I think this team has plenty of balls. As Shime just said, they will compete. I do not question their balls or their fold. competitive nature or anything else. I still very much question their talent. I don't know if they're good enough. And that's just the simple reality of their one and three record. I believe they're one of nine teams, just nine teams that don't have two wins on the season. And your New England Patriots are down in the bottom quarter of the league. That's going to put a wraps on uh, our uh, review a couple days later as we sort of talk about the loss in Green Bay to the Packers, the moral victory or the simple loss that it was. Six rings in football things. Please subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast service. 
please download the Odyssey app if you would. It's the easiest and best way to listen to us. And if you want to interact with us and talk about the positivity or the negativity, we continue to build the Six Rings community at Six Rings Pod on Twitter or Six Rings Pod at gmail.com. Hey, it's Fitzy from Six Rings and Football Things. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of the day. Your weekly source for all things New England Patriots right on time. Your time. In the car, navigate the streets of the NFL offseason with wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Six Rings and Football Things in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Bruins fans looking for more coverage of your favorite hockey team? Follow the Skate Pod hosted by Scott McLaughlin, Brian DeFelice, and me, Bridget Pru. Get your Bruins coverage from WEI's team of Bruins writers. We're the people who are at the games and talk to the players every week. For analysis of every Bruins game and exclusive interviews with the players, listen to the Skate Pod on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, as we get back into the review of where the Patriots are four games into the season, Fitzy mentioned it earlier, the draft class is looking up, and we're not just talking about Bailey Zappi, who we do need to credit for coming in, surprisingly, a a few days after Joe Judge almost indicated they really didn't want Zappi on the field, that he wasn't ready. Well, he looked ready to me. He sounded ready to me after the game. He sounded ready to me when he talked to the Merloni, Fourier, and Mego peeps on WEEI. Bailey Zappi, I don't know how good his arm is. I don't know how good he is, but he's kind of like the Patriots in general right now. I don't question his balls. The guy went out there and showed balls at Lambeau Field, but he wasn't the only one. (laughs) Another guy who may have more balls than brains at this point in his career, Jack Jones, with the key pick six at the end of the uh, first half in Green Bay to give the Patriots the lead at the break. Fitzy, you and I talked about this. Unfortunately, they led in all four quarters, just not when it mattered most, either at the end of the fourth or at the end of overtime. But Jack Jones, who then also said it was disrespectful for um, Aaron Rodgers, who I guess we call him the boat, best of all time, not the goat, the greatest of all time, uh, Mm -hmm. threw an out his way. And he broke on the route so well. And then Aaron Rodgers actually said, I made a bad throw, but he almost overran the ball. He had to reach back, Jack Jones did, to catch it. So my question is, coming off that performance and what we've seen from him in the preseason and the swagger that he brings, is Jack Jones a developing number one cornerback for your New England Patriots that need a developing number one cornerback? I mean, I think he's good. I like him. I think think he has a lot more potential than I gave him credit for uh, before the season started. I I think there's a chance. Like... I think it could be J.C. Jackson, right? Like, I think upside. So then the answer is yes. If he can be J.C. Jackson and he was drafted, Jack Jones. So there's a little bit of a, I guess, a higher expectation, although we know J.C. Jackson had some legal issues and things, transfer issues that played a role. Well, then I get so did Jack Jones. No, no, no. I know. But my point is he was drafted. So theoretically, if you use the old school, like, oh, Bailey Zappi's better than Hoyer, because when he entered the league, people thought he was draft worthy, not undrafted free agent worthy. But if you say Jack Jones can be J.C. Jackson, can be a number one corner. I think that's his ceiling, right? That's what it feels like to me. Like his ceiling is he's not going to be, you know, he's not going to be Darrell Reeves. He's probably not going to be a Keeb Tlaib or Stefan Gilmore in their primes. But 
I think he could be JC Jackson. I think he could be a ball hawking guy, a very similar to like your Marcus Peters kind of yep. player where it's, I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to get a lot of turnovers. I'm also going to make some mistakes. I, I think you're looking at like JC Jackson, Trayvon Diggs or the upper echelon of that style. Um, so if he f- comes in right underneath them, I think, I mean, I, I don't think you could be much happier about that. Fitzy. I, I, I listen, I wrote about it yesterday for, uh, Monday, rather, I should say, for WEI.com about how it's nice to see the hype and buzz of somebody that was turning heads for the right reasons in training camp in the preseason coming to fruition so early in the season. And he gets his opportunity because Jalen Mills has to sit with an injury and is a scratch Sunday in Green Bay. Jack Jones made the most of that opportunity. He has to work on something Bill Belichick, well, any football player needs to work on, but something Bill Belichick stresses fundamentally from his cornerback, something he loved about Malcolm Butler and especially the greatest tackling quarterback cornerback I ever saw, Logan Ryan. He's got to work on his tackling for sure. He is a little too overaggressive at times and is a ball hawk. But I said to you Sunday night, even on the postgame show, that right now you may have a developing J.C. Jackson-esque type player with a nose for the ball and a real swagger and attitude about him, and you're getting him at less than one thirty-sixth of the price of J.C. Jackson this year, which is really impressive. Now, I don't think that they drafted him thinking like we can find J.C. Jackson's replacement and only have to spend 2.5% of what we spent on J.C. Jackson, but this could be a happy accident in what could be a developing, uh, in what is developing to potentially be a very good draft class for the Patriots. I love everything I've seen out of this kid. And Andy, guess what? He'll be able to play the outside. So maybe you can send John Jones or somebody else back to the inside where they belong. The Patriots need a ball hawk on the outside. He ran that route for Lazard. That was all recognition. There's, he's done that a bunch of times already this season. Why would you send John Jones back inside? He's the number one cornerback in the National Football League. There's Ooh, nobody better no, cornerback the, than John Jones. This is where we lose our PFF sponsorship. Actually, I, you know what? I, I want no fun. part of a PFF sponsorship. I know if I have to don't. lie and pretend that they are great, I do not want any part of PFF. Cameron Nick. Fleming Listen, is the best right tackle in football. Come on. The, get the no, hell out of here. Best right tackle in football history. Thank you. Terrible. Uh, actually, Awful. believe it or not, John Jones has dropped to 10th best overall cornerback. Yep. Guess who the number one? Guess who the number one rated, according to Pro Football Focus? You can just deal with this for a second. As of right now, after four weeks of the NFL season, the top rated rookie defender and the top rated outside corner in football, Jack Jones. Deal with it. Wait, Jack that's four, Jones four weeks. Jack Jones. Oh look it up. Numbers, stats. I'll never look it up because I don't care. It's they are the most meaningless thing on the planet. Like the pamphlets that the guy on the street in Vegas hands out about like God or strippers or everything in between are more meaningless. I'm no more. AJ Terrell is the best corner in football, and you can't convince me otherwise. God, I would Um, say anyway. I I like Jack Jones's uh, Patrick Sertain the second is quickly entering the chat as well. I like Jack Jones's aggressiveness. I told you from day one of either OTAs or minicamp, like he flashed. And I loved that he flashed as a draft pick, not as we've been doing this for years with the undrafted guys. And you have to figure out like, oh, is he trying harder than anybody? Are they going to give him a chance because he's undrafted now to see a draft pick flash the way Jack Jones did and has. And I love his swagger. I love his cockiness. He's a cornerback. He's not anything else. And I think as a corner, you got to be able to put your big old balls on the table and go against some of the best athletes on the planet. So the way he acts. I actually love it reminds me of a little bit of Ellis Hobbs 
when I remember in his preseason, his first preseason, he jumped and out like Jack Jones, except he missed. And the guy went like 80 yards for a touchdown and post game. He was asked, would you do anything different? And he goes, nope, just catch the ball next time. And that's what I need. I don't need the guy that's like, yeah, maybe I won't be aggressive. Maybe I won't. No, it's Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to break on and out because he doesn't throw pick sixes. He couldn't possibly throw a pick six to me. He did. I like what Jack Jones is doing. And I think, Fitzy, you you noted it. They absolutely need it. Their secondary and their cornerback position is a debacle, a sneaky debacle right now. Everybody's fixating on the run defense because you gave up a bunch of yards to, to the Ravens and then to the Packers, which, oh, by the way, kind of coincides with Lawrence Guy not playing. As soon as he hurt his shoulder and went out, your I, run defense fell that, apart. We said that last um, week on the postgame show, and we said it on the pod last week, Andy. They gave up almost six yards of carry to the Packers Sunday. I actually think they wanted the Packers to run. I think that was part of the game plan, and, and I know Patriots fans, I've mocked them at times for using that theory over the years, but I think part of this game was we want them to run. We don't want them hitting the big plays. Now, the problem is you were actually allowing the receivers to get behind you, and only Aaron Rodgers missing them saved your ass from getting blown out. On Romeo Dobbs was kicking Jonathan Jones's ass. And, and it's like. good. The kid's good. The kid's fi- he's, he's finding his way, and John Jones is fast. So but, whatever moves Dobbs has or whatever sne- speed, we heard about it last week. Watson is supposed to be the fastest one in Green Bay as well, but Dobbs has some moves. But they need a developing young corner. And if Jack Jones can can be that, I'm not saying is that because he's young, he's a rookie. But the fact that Shime, who's as negative as anybody on the planet about Patriots players, just mentioned him in the same name, in the same sentence as Diggs. I'll take a guy that gives me seven interceptions and six touchdowns allowed or whatever. Like, I think they need that playmaking. I don't I, I just they need some of that injected into the back end. Um, Cole Strange. We got to we got if we're going to go with our theme here of rookies and impressive rookie draft class, I don't care where he was drafted. So we're not going to get into that right now. But the fact that we're raving about the run game, we're raving about the left side where he and Trent Brown and company do their damage. You got to give Cole Strange credit for. And and I know I mocked him a little bit like he was given the job, but now he's taken the job and he's run with it. Yeah. And they're literally running with it. Like he, yep. he is running, leading the charge in the running game. And and I think that's good. I I. I he is an excellent run blocker. I think that's well established at this point. Like that left side, if you're going to run at that left side, boy, you're going to have a lot of success this season. You should. But you need to continue to do that, and you want you want Cole to continue to be that way. Uh, and so that just needs to he needs to he needs to stay at that level uh, in order for this run game to to continue to have that kind of success. And they need to stay healthy because yeah. well, yeah. yeah. Although actually, always now they kind of can be less healthy. Because I do believe, one of you mentioned it earlier, that Marcus Cannon is ready to take over the right tackle job. Yep. Well, that drops Isaiah Wynn, your former first-round pick. We don't need to get into that. Your former first-round pick making over $10 million. But it drops him into your not just swing tackle role, your swing wherever you need an offensive lineman if somebody gets dinged up kind of role. It actually gives you some versatile depth because some people still think he's a guard. So, you know, you could plug him in there. You can put him at left tackle, right tackle. So they, they're adding to their depth there. But we also need to talk about Marcus Jones. You know what's fun? when we when I, Was it Wes Welker that su- said in the post-game interview years ago, sometimes it's fun to stick it to Bill Belichick? Well, as media members, sometimes it's fun to stick it to Bill Belichick. Hey, Bill, we told you all along, put Marcus Jones at punt returner. Don't overthink the damn thing. Well, Marcus Jones is returning punts. Marcus Jones is returning kick kicks he's an impact player he's actually weirdly due to early season statistics leading the nfl in kick return average right now at 26 a pop 
But why did it take so long? Can somebody explain to me why it took so long for Marcus Jones to take over both roles? The reason why it took so long is because Bill Belichick has that whole don't stick the rookies into the fire unless you absolutely have to mentality, which he did when he took Cole Strange, but he's a first rounder. Uh, Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, you got a couple of fourth rounders. So he took the slow, slow. So you put Miles Bryant, who hadn't returned. Miles Bryant, I stinks. Good job. Yes, Good job. I know. Bill. And Miles hey, Bill. Bryant. Yeah. Nope. You didn't put a rookie out there to fail. You put a veteran out there to fail. You put a veteran in a bad position. And we saw him make bad decisions, muffing kicks. Like they're lucky that those didn't cost them necessarily. But let's just look at Marcus Jones. What if he had made plays? Like maybe you steal a game because he returns a punt for like I now put him in Ramondre Stevenson land of I want Marcus Jones with the ball more because it looks like Marcus Jones, when he has the ball, scares the other team. And For should. a guy who loves field position battles so much, you'd think he'd want the good returner out there. I don't get like, it. Like, I don't either. It just, you watch the kid and you're, you immediately can see it. It There's no, it's very black and white. And again, I have been more negative about the Patriots than anybody you know. And I am telling you, this kid is electric. This kid can this kid can run with the football in his hands. I don't understand why he hasn't been returning kicks and punts all effing year. And listening to Cam Accord today talk about um, some of the struggles of Jake Bailey, who yes is dead last in the NFL in both gross and net punting. He um, in trying to explain it away, he goes, "Yeah, those are the numbers, but you have to look at the situation, who's back there, what you're thinking in the time in the game, whether you don't want a guy to return." And I think Marcus Jones is going to create those thoughts in the opposition. Like, do we want to kick to him? Are we, what are we doing here? Like, and I think the more you do that, it puts stress on your punter and your punt coverage unit and those things to like, maybe you're overthinking it, but you're so afraid of Marcus Jones that you do things that could hurt you. Maybe not to the same degree, but it's the same way the giants always thought of Deshaun Jackson. It's like, I would rather just punt it out of bounds and not deal with Deshaun Jackson than give him an opportunity with the football. So I, I think his his tangible benefits will be obvious, like, oh, he runs with the ball. But I think there will be some intangible benefits as how other teams look at him. Uh, we have uh, some breaking uh, Patriots news. Uh, it, it, you know, uh, it won't be Tom, breaking when they hear it, but it's breaking while we record it. No, we might as well give it out. Uh, Tom Pellicero, mere seconds ago, the Patriots are expected to sign Garrett Gilbert to the practice squad. Uh, as a quarterback. Ah, so there you go. Old Garrett Gilbert. Garrett Gilbert, who they had much experience with and I think carried for a week or two last year, perhaps, on the 2021 season, or was it 2020? He's he's played with the team before. He's been a taxi squad, as I like to call it, in my old man parlance uh, player with the Patriots before. So there is your backup quarterback Sunday. This tells me old private first class Bailey Zappi will be getting his first official start in the NFL for the Patriots and Garrett Gilbert will be elevated to your number two quarterback Sunday, Sunday, Sunday at Gillette Bailey Zappi in the throwback reds. How do you feel about that kids? Yeah, I, I mean, I feel it. good about it. Cause it's the best option right now. I don't feel good about it. Cause like he's the, they're going to sell some of those zap zap. Um, yeah, I had no, there was no question in my mind that in the world we're living in with the, Tua situation in Miami and the new newfound focus on protocols and concussions. There was no chance I you were getting Brian Hoyer back, and I knew there was no chance you were getting Mac Jones back. I'm sure they'll put him out on the practice field a little bit earlier this week for their dog and pony show. But this is the Bailey Zappy experience, and as Fitzy would say, 
I'm here for it. Why not? It's bread, better than the Brian Hoyer experience. And, you know, we, we he may get exposed. Is there a chance he throws multiple picks? Absolutely. He floats a ball and a safety comes across because we all know he doesn't have the strongest arm on the planet. And he's a bit of a gunslinger. So sometimes that's a bad mix when your arm isn't great and your mind is thinking your arm is great and you can make plays. But wouldn't you much rather watch Bailey Zappi than anybody else other than Mac right now? Well, like I, like I said earlier, when I said let's pump the brakes on the Bailey Zappi love fest, it wasn't because I thought that the kid doesn't have it or couldn't turn into something. It may not be a diamond in the rough, but just rewatching the majority of the Green Bay Pats game, you know, that that dime that he threw to, if you want to call it a dime, the touchdown pass to Devontae Parker, you know, floated it a little bit, probably could have hit him in stride. The one to Aguilar that was a big first down that sets up the touchdown Harris gets to put him up 24-17. If he hits Aguilar in stride on that, Aguilar scores on that play because Aguilar got himself so open so quickly. And like I said, he, you know, he missed Ramondre in the flat on a play. Like, he he just hadn't been in there. None, none of this is his fault, guys. The, he's just, he's a he's a Division II quarterback who just, like, gripped it and ripped it and threw 62 touchdown passes last year for Western Kentucky against far inferior talent. Now he's elevating to the NFL, he's under center more. And that game plan wasn't for him. They had a few plays maybe up their sleeve for him. Matt Patricia as play caller uh, and Joe Judge as, as QB gurisperer, if you will, whatever you want to call him, like their value is going to be on full display, calling a game and keeping this kid under center and under reins on Sunday. And I love it. You want to know why? Because I love the RPOs and the play action. I love it. He's Bailey Zappi does do one thing really, really, really well. His play action move is nice because it looks just like his deep handoffs. And then he hides the ball nicely, buys that extra second. If the more familiar he gets, Shime, the better he's going to be get it. Maybe throwing a dart down the middle, open to Kendrick Bourne or finding someone in the flat. I also think I think in that Green Bay game, he was much more reserved than you'll see him going forward. Like I, I think when you saw Belichick on the sideline kneeling down next to him, he said, All right, here's the deal. You hit the open guy, otherwise you hang on to the football. Don't throw it to the other team, and we have a shot in this game. And that no, and he picked up the tablet. It literally he, they handed him a tablet. He looked at it and it just said, Oh, don't fuck this up. Okay. And that's it, yeah. but that's exactly why on that throw to Aguilar, he kind of floats a little, he puts a little too much touch on it and floats a little bit. But I think yep. it's because he wanted to make sure it was a completed pass. Like he didn't want to, he would he didn't want to take any risks. He he was trying to be risk averse, more or less. But for a kid who, as we as we've noted, just slung it at Western Kentucky against a really bad Lions defense. I think next week, Fitzy, you may need to uh like like really pump up this pump the brakes mentality because there is a chance that this offense looks uh wildly good uh on next Sunday because of how bad the Lions defense is. So like there is a chance good. every everybody might start to lose their minds. Even in a loss, you might start to lose your minds a little bit because you just saw what Geno Smith did to this Lions defense and with with the with his team in Seattle who's not that good. Uh, j- just wait to see what Bailey Zappi and these running backs do on Sunday. Uh, if I if I can just pull up real quick. Uh, no, I am not comparing Bailey Zappi to Tom Brady for the love of God. However, good, so I think uh, good. Okay, but in in Tom Brady's first start and also his first start for the Patriots at uh, well, it was the old Schaefer Sullivan Foxborough dump. Uh, they beat the Colts forty four to thirteen. 
and they actually let Brady throw the ball. Antoine Smith had a monster game, and so did the defense that day against Peyton Manning. But um, they let Brady sling the ball a hell of a lot more. Obviously, he had a, a year longer of familiarity in the system, and Brady is a completely different animal. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised, Shime, if they let him sling the ball a little bit more. But they do have, like, if the worst rush defense was and may still be the Green Bay Packers, according to DVOA, another you know acronym that Andy refuses to subscribe to. I totally understand, but like I think the Lions are like thirtieth, so like they suck out loud too against the I, run. I, and I, it's not even necessarily that the Patriots want to unleash him. It's this Lions offense again. The offense is really good. They're scoring over thirty points a game, and then luckily the defense is allowing thirty-five points a game. So. I, I think you were going to be playing in an arms race with, with the Lions team. So you're almost going to have be forced to let him uncork it a little bit. Just let we, me know where Jeff Okuda and Aiden Hutchinson are, are on every play, Andy. And after that, I'm good. We're the six rings podcast. And we only need six letters over two words to describe Chris Shime's excitement and what he is projecting for Sunday. And that is Mac who question mark oh daddy if that comes to fruition and as always six rings and football things will be here to lead up to it and then recap it when it comes to fruition join the six rings community now download the odyssey app to get six rings each and every podcast or go to your favorite podcast subscription and make sure you rate us review us and love us speaking of loving us now is the best portion of the six rings podcast it is Pat's Paris time, where we break down all the little storylines from Patriot Nation, other than the budding superstar that is Bailey Zappi, their rookie quarterback. And I want to start with a simple question, guys. Garrett Gilbert reportedly being added to the roster as the fourth string emergency backup to Zappi on Sunday against the Lions. Why not Cam? Why not now? No. No. Why? No, I mean, Why? no. Oh, 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 you're going to get excited about Garrett Gilbert. No, I'm no. not excited about Garrett Gilbert. My excitement. See, I love how I love how you tried to like it, the nice emotional Aikido there, like trying to redirect something I said against me for your own benefit. Doesn't work, Andy. Not going to happen because my excitement for Garrett Gilbert being signed to the practice squad makes me feel as though Bailey Zappi will be getting the start Sunday and that they're not going to run Mac yeah. Jones out there well before he heals or like force Wait, Brian Hoyer. What does Hoyer. that have to do with Cam? But you what it has a to do with Cam this week. You needed a quarterback this week. That was yes. obvious as of Sunday. The most Cam's not the guy. Guy. Well, I just why? I think I just because, think because done, of the system they no, it's not even that. It's the system they want to play does not fit Cam. Like it's when Cam was here, they designed the system more sure. around him. This right. is not that system anymore. It's different. The offense, they're trying to be different, so they're not going to bring in a guy that completely goes against the offense that they want to run now. See, I think and, if you're bringing in a body in the middle of the week, you bring in the body who most knows your system, most convenient to you, who most recently actually played in the NFL, started a game, started some games, won a game last year for the Panthers. Like, to me, he made a lot of sense for a team that just wants to hand the ball off to Stevenson and Harris. I think you could easily mold an emergency game plan around Cam Newton. It's got nothing to do with Mac Jones. Mac Jones is the starter when he's healthy. It's got nothing to do with Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi is the starter this week. It's about the most convenient man off the street body. And I, I would have signed Cam. I, if you're going to go play, if you're going to go handoff, 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 play action, 
handoff, handoff, pass, handoff, 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 play action. Somebody like Garrett Gilbert, who just seems like a prototypical backup journeyman quarterback, can probably execute that a little bit better than Cam Newton, whose shoulder issues led him to be a wildly inaccurate passer the second half of the 2020 season on and through his little Carolina Panther renaissance last year as well. This coming from a guy who took a round beating on social media and the radio for being a cam defender in 2020 and always hoping things would work out for him because of my deep and profound appreciation over Cam Newton giving it his all and being willing to be the guy who stepped in after the GOAT and being a, a distraction, if nothing else, during a 2020 season where they gave us a little excitement at the start of the year and Bill Belichick coached his ass off getting a bag of bodies and bones to a seven and nine record. And it's also not gonna like, happen. Garrett Gilbert, like he's, he's seen at least, he's at least seen like NFL time. Like this isn't, I mean, he's been in the league now. This is his what fifth season. He played, he started a game for Washington last year. He started a game for the Cowboys the year before, like he's been around the NFL. It's not like he's a, just like some undrafted guy that's never taken a snap. So we didn't, we didn't sign someone from the USFL Sean. Yeah, exactly. So we didn't, we're I mean, not bringing in PJ Walker. He's borderline above that. <laughs> oh, Joe, Andy, don't get me wrong. He's a stiff. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so's Cam. That's the point. When you're signing guys at this point, it means you're like scraping the bottom of the barrel. He's not a top 100 quarterback. No. Literally. Cam thinks he's no. like still one of 32. Now, that actually is the one argument. If you just don't want Cam anywhere near the roster, the team, you think he's going to be talking smack or like whatever he brings. But in just terms of experienced bodies, I would have gone the Cam Cam Newton route this week. But whatever. What else we got for the Potspourri segment? Hey, speaking of giving former Patriots another kick at the can or another go in Foxborough, look who just traveled down the Patrick Chung, Matt Patricia, Jamie Collins Memorial Reclamation Patriots re-signing squad highway. That's right. Fourth time's the charm. Maybe he can play tight end or quarterback. Jamie Collins returns to Foxborough. And now, Andy, he addresses something that we thought was a middling-level need in the offseason. Turns out they really probably should have paid more attention to drafting at this position in the 2022 draft, no matter how good this draft class turns out to be. Linebackers, because guess what? They're not good. They suck. Which was so I know. bad. Where's Hightower? Where's Hightower? Yeah, like, I don't want him. No, I don't. I don't want Jamie Collins uh, either, dude. Everyone, everyone else in the linebacking core has been on skates the past two weeks. Well, this was predictable. They weren't good. Yes, they weren't good on we paper. When everybody tried to tell me, "Oh my God, I'm so excited," but like, Uche, I hype think, season, uh. right? I actually think Raquan McMillan can play, but he's been dinged up. Like, I think that's you have Bentley, who's not really all that good in his own right, as like the steady Eddie kind of guy he's back fine. there. Like, he's actually fine. And no one has stepped up. No one has stepped up to join him to like lighten the load. Like we need a Jack Jones. Like the way we're talking about Jack Jones and be like, oh, maybe that helps Jonathan Jones. Maybe that helps Miles Bryant. They all get slotted into. They need a linebacker to step up. And none of your guys, Fitzy. Where's Cam McGrone? Is he? Where's practice is he, squad? Is he? He's, where, he's hanging he? out with. He's hanging Maybe? out with Garrett Gilbert and Jamie Collins. Exactly. Squad. So Jamie Collins. Josh Uche stinks. The one problem Ronnie I have, per with Ronnie Perkins, Collins, no show. I think Jamie Collins is going to face um, unfortunate expectations because we're all giddy about Marcus Cannon, which is weird. He comes in as extra tight end, then he's playing right tackle. We want to get rid of win. It works. Everybody's like, "Ooh, Cannon can still play. Cannon's still a man." Let's. 
And I think people, because of that, are going to be like, hey, maybe it'll work with Jamie Collins, too. We want to buy out just like we wanted win out. And now Jamie Collins is going to go out there. We might want to just relax. Like, I didn't even think Jamie Collins was great last year. And now he's been out of football for eight months or whatever it is. And this is one of my biggest issues with Belichick's drafts. We're taking two running backs in the draft, one of which has gotten cut and another one that's not going to play this season. And you needed linebackers. Like, you needed to at least throw darts at a board. And you just choose not to you didn't draft a single effing linebacker this year well, it's like is it uh, possible they were all in with magrone and uche and perkins and these guys jennings like they they talked absolutely. them up remember I all mean, the we, piece of we the see them and we can see that they suck from ten thousand feet how can they not tell well because it takes bill longer we already proved that with marcus oh. jones we've been telling him for weeks that marcus jones should play bill finally caught up maybe he'll catch up with linebackers and other opinions of ours yeah but at and that look, point marcus it's, it's way too in, late he's he, Marcus Jones is now dynamite on kick returns and punt returns. So much so, Shime, when we get to our best bets and props pod at the end of the week, I want you to find out what money I can make by betting Marcus Jones scores a touchdown this weekend. Because I'm not... putting I'm oh, putting money touchdown? on it. touchdown? Okay. Got yeah. It. I'm putting money on that this week against the Lions. absolutely. freaking lootly And the Foxborough crowd will go bonkers. And I'm here for it. Just for you, Andy. But uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I really do believe, I think they were all really in on Cam McGrone and he is a legitimate, legitimate disappointment thus far. I don't know if it's injury related. I don't know what happened. I think they thought he was going to pop and that he would have been your Marcus or Jack Jones of the linebacking core. <laughs> Nothing so far. They are desperate at linebacker. And now we know a new immediate position of need come the 2023 draft. Uh, Chris Scheim is giddy to see Bailey Zappi on Sunday against the Lions. Zappi, daddy. Maybe some ulterior motives there. We can get into that down the road in terms of his hate for Mac Jones. And Fitzy is looking for the Patriots to go on a run now that they have the 11th easiest schedule over the rest of the season, according to some of his favorite websites. Please subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, promote mm. the Six Rings Nation on Twitter and anywhere else mm. you are. Download the Odyssey app. And we will be back later in the week with a preview of the Lions. We will have a writer to give you the perspective from Detroit. We will have another interview from inside Gillette Stadium and one of the beat writers that we deal with on a weekly basis. For Chris Scheim and Nick Fitzy Stevens, I'm Andy Hart. That's Six Rings, and we're out. See ya. Bye.